Eleanor Roosevelt said, the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams. Benjamin Franklin said, tell me and I forget, teach me and I remember, involve me and I learn. And Frank said, whoever is happy will make others happy too. Mother Teresa said, spread love everywhere you go. Let no one ever come to you without leaving happier. Everyone should have a process in life, a habit, a ritual, something that makes them successful. All I want to tell you, my friends, is follow the process and make shit happen. Welcome to Make Shit Happen. This is episode number 16. We are with Crystal Sarmiento today. Crystal, how you doing? Thank you for coming in. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm fantastic. Crystal is going to be the author of your brand new book coming out, Becoming a Lioness. Yes. Are you are you excited about the book? Yes, I think I think excited is an understatement. So I, I met you several years ago, and yes. you were very annoying. <laughs> I remember you were buying some furniture with me with. Uh, Yep. Your your ex husband. Ex, yeah. Why oh, do we have to bring that up? And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. And then all of a sudden, you popped up on my Instagram one day. I'm like, oh my god, this city is annoying. <laughs> how are you doing today? Now, all jokes aside, how are you doing? No, we're good. We're good. I'm good. I'm fantastic. All what right, about well, you? I'm I'm doing well. We're making so, shit happen. Making shit happen. That's what it's about. What, let me ask you a question. Since yeah. you since you brought that up, making shit happen. Yeah. What is your definition of making shit happen? Making shit happen is getting up and like literally telling the voices in your head and all the excuses that overwhelm you to shut the hell up. Mm-hmm. It's literally shut up and not listening to it and just doing it. Like and just doing no it. excuses. You have to force yourself to do it. Make shit happen. Make shit happen. Make it happen. So I know you're writing a book. Yes. And what made you write a book? There's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, I think the biggest thing for me is the fact that... Um, just being in corporate America for 20 years, one, two, raising children, three, um, the lessons that I learned, obviously, uh-huh. um, I felt like people that I come in contact with, especially in church, because obviously I, I you know, helped forever, uh, for about 13 years. Um, whenever these stories would come up in lessons, um, constantly I was hearing, you need to write a book. It's been about 12 years since somebody sowed that seed in my heart and I didn't do anything. I didn't make shit happen. I just sat on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, eventually it came to a day where I was like, that's it. No more excuses. No more fear. Uh-huh. Right. You got to overcome the fear and just do it. You yeah. know, writing a book can be a very daunting task. I mean, people oh, have been gosh. telling me for five years, you should write a book. You should write a book. And I'm like, yeah. I don't even know what the hell am I going to write about? And uh, I mean, you know, lately I've been thinking about it more. I mean, you know, but eventually maybe one day I, I might be brave enough to do the same thing that you're doing. So I commend you for doing that. Yeah. Thank you, Crystal. We got we got a lot in uh, you know we got a lot in common. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I want I don't I don't want to talk a lot about me. I want to talk about you. People who are listening to you right now, they're wondering who is Crystal. Tell us a little bit about yourself, <laughs> Crystal. Um, goodness, I can talk for hours. Um, so I I'm think, sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think for the most part, um, most people who come across me who don't know me behind closed doors would consider me a professional in the corporate world, um, a powerhouse in what I do, um, completely competitive, um, and I don't take no for an answer. Um, Behind closed doors at home, um, I'm a dedicated wife, a dedicated mother. Um, I love God, Jesus. I I specifically um, commend that to being to the core of who I am. 
Um, and I'm just another woman who is not afraid to tell her story. All right. So uh, I know you grew up with your dad. You had told me a little bit about you. So, oh, yeah. you know, your, your dad was uh, your dad raised you. Uh, tell us, tell us about your early life, if you, you know, and about your dad. Yeah. And I know you said your dad is your hero. Yeah, um, I think the definition of hero changes as you evolve and grow into your own womanhood, and mm -hmm. um, and as you grow into yourself and you learn who you are, and we identify who we are. Um, I think that as a child, um, number one, being a, a girl, females tend to always look up to their fathers for whatever reason, whether he's in the home or out of the home, and we choose to identify uh, who we are based on that, and we and we kind of imprint our identity based on that. Um, but yeah, my dad, I, I credit him and my mom a lot, but my dad, you know, it's not your common story. Um, he was a single father, immigrant, Mexican from Mexico. Obviously I said Mexican. Um, he, um, he really taught me what the foundation of hard work and no excuses is. Um, he came from Mexico, um, very young age. He had lost his mother over there. Um, and he was educated, if you will and came here and did what the stereotypical Hispanics are known for. Um, he started a landscaping company. Um, I don't know how long it's been. It's been uh, well over 30, 40 years ago. Um, but one of the things that I admire him is his work ethic. I mean, my dad to this day, he's in his early 60s. He gets up rain or shine. He goes out there and, um, and he makes it happen, like literally. Um, Some of the, the best memories I have growing up are those one-on-one -on -one moments I had with my dad um, where my friends would ask me like, oh, wow, your dad comes to, you know, pick you up from school or drop you off or, you know, some of those things that they didn't have. But at the same time, it was a, a resounding um, message that, you know, my mom wasn't there either for that period of time, obviously. Um, But he's, he was phenomenal. I mean, you've got to give the man credit for being a single Mexican immigrant father with English, a barrier to raise, you know, a little girl who, <laughs> for the most part, doesn't look like your typical Mexican, you know, so, so we would get questions. So let me ask right. your dad is uh, your, your, your only child. No, I have um, another brother uh -huh. and um, he and I both have the same parents, my mom and my dad. Uh -huh. And then I have another brother that my mom had out of her second marriage. So you grew, you grew, you did not grow up with your mom? No, I didn't. Okay. I did not. No, okay, unfortunately. So, but your dad, your dad raised you. My dad took the reins, um, you know, and that's not to hold my mom to like indict her for that. I think that... Um, and a lot of this is in the book, um, is growing up as a little girl in the southwest side of Houston, you know, um, I went to a predominantly mixed racial, you know, ethnicity school, if that's even proper to say. Um, it was, you know, 30% Hispanics, it was about 40, 50% white, um, Indian, Asian, it was super diverse, you know, I loved it. Um, but I would get asked a lot of questions like, where's your mom, where's your mom, you know, all that kind of stuff. And um, I think that for the most part, um, she was always around. She was a phone call away. Um, but the traditional setup was my father had custody of me. Okay. And it wasn't so like in, in the house when you went home, it was your dad. Your mom was wasn't there. Dad, that, yeah. that, that must have been a little hard. Of course. It yeah. was hard. It was. And, you know, it's hard because it's in a child's DNA to crave nurturing and For, to create affection from a mother and from a father 
And, you know, I think that part of our coping skills um, is you don't really focus on what you don't have when you're a child. It's not until you're an adult Mm -hmm. where, for instance, I found myself, you know, making breakfast or doing those type of things for my own children where I was like, wow, you know, I really reflected back and was like, I really missed out on on some of these things, you know. How old is your oldest child? My oldest is 21. How old are you? (laughs) (laughs) You you (laughs) You should never, you should never ask a woman her age, huh? I don't care. I'll I mean, you look you. like 34, 35. Oh, How old are you? Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm 38. 38. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so you had a you had a child at an early age. I did. I was um I was a teen mom. Teen mom. That had a whole bunch of obstacles. And with so him. so now with the Mexican dad who was raising Ooh. you, how did he take that? I think um <laughs> Tell us tell us walk he, us walk us back into memory Oh lane. Tell my us god, you want to go way back to the days. Yes. So, um here's the deal. So, my dad, let's get comfortable cuz this is this is we're about to pull back some layers of the onion here. Uh-huh. Um my dad was a traditional hardcore Catholic. Um I give him a lot of props um because taking on the load of raising a little girl in the u.s against everything he was raised with without the you know the stability of a wife and all the challenges that come with it he did the very best he could obviously i look back and and i'm upset about certain things like oh i wish things would have gone this way or the other um and i could have been given proper tools maybe so that i wouldn't have made bad choices mm-hmm. ultimately it comes down to me making bad choices right i can't put that on anybody i can't um Yes, I did have a child um, when I was in high school, and um, and I faced a choice, um, and I, um, with the love and support of both my mother, my biological mother, and my stepmother, um, both came around me and helped me um, to make a good choice for me in that moment. Mm-hmm. But to come back to my father, so that's kind of scary. When you come home and your dad has raised you and literally drilled into the very core of your being, foundation of abstinence, of um, putting God first and purity. I mean, my dad did all those things. He did the right things. He took me to church. You know, he raised me the very best way he could. Uh-huh. And so when I made a stupid choice, right, uh-huh. in the moment, um, I had to face the consequences of that. And so my dad... Um, uh, he he was not happy. You can imagine. So is that in your book? It is. It There's is. a lot in the book about that so specific The book is story. a lot about your life story? There's a lot of, there's bits and pieces um, that really dig deep into the life story mm-hmm. um, and the lessons that came out of that, but it's also other things um, about finding identity and tell things us, like that. Tell us a little bit more about the book, if you don't mind. I know I know you don't want to give it all away, but I don't. Give, us, give us a little bit what the book is about. So I think one of the, the, the messages that I'm super proud to share in the book mm-hmm. is um, how to make shit happen. Okay. I think at the end of the day, um, we live in a culture and a society where women are hearing the tag phrases, the tag words, women empowerment, um, confidence, strong is beautiful, choose happy, um, all these taglines. <clears throat> Excuse me. But at the end of the day, they're not taught how to find that. Like, how do you find that confidence? It's like, well, I'm confident. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. That confidence doesn't just, you don't just wake up with it, especially when you've had a hell of a childhood, mm-hmm. especially when you've had hard times, when you've had to wake up and, and you know, or cry yourself to sleep or had hard, hard choices that 
you know, life dealt you that you didn't choose. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think a lot of the times things are given to us that we didn't ask for and we have to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Am I going to face this head on or am I going to buckle in shame and cry and make excuses? Right. So in the book, I talk about those lessons and how to dig deep and pull those up. You know what I mean? I'm all about women empowerment. I'm all about also honoring men because we're nothing with that. You know, there's a healthy balance there. Obviously, I don't want to go into that too much, but I think um, a big, big resounding lesson in the book is how, where do, where's the source of that identity? Is it something that someone called you? Is it something your parents called you? Um, did you identify yourself from your work, your success? Well, where do you get that from? Right. Um, and that's really the biggest thing for me is, is helping, you know, mainly women, but also men identify those questions. And if not help them, help them do that, you mm -hmm. know? So, uh, how did you get that title? How did you come up with the title? Oh, Becoming a, a lioness. One. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a pretty good, I mean, you know, yeah. and I've seen like a lioness. So tell me a little bit about that. Okay. So the lioness, um, that has been in the making for about eight years, mm -hmm. eight or nine years. I started hashtagging that. Um, I think it was like, well, Abby's seven. So I want to say eight or nine years ago. Um, you know, everybody knows my maiden last name is De Leon, which means of the lion in Spanish. Right. Um, that's one of the reasons. Another reason is just growing up, I always seen the image of a lion being powerful and majestic and a lot of big corporations, MGM Grand, all these others, they use a lion, right? Um, and it all ties back to identity. Where do we seek that identity? A lot of the times it's things that people call you, either your name or something, right? And so at the end of the day, I began to identify with De Leon. And um, it wasn't until I did a, the soul searching where I tried to find that deep, deep down inside where I began to say, you know what? God put that in my name. So I need to find that and unleash the lioness. And not a lion, but a lioness because there's power in knowing who you are and um, where you stand. And there's power knowing the difference between a lion and a lioness. And um, I read a book, um, I want to say it was in 2011 by Lisa Bevere. It's called Lioness Arise. Mm -hmm. So that title was quick. I mean, it quickened my soul. Let me read this book. Um, it's a faith-based book, but ultimately it taught me so much about the characteristics of a lioness um, and the pride out in um, Africa and in the deserts. The one who does the hunting is the lioness mm -hmm. because... Don't get offended. <laughs> but the lion is usually too lazy to go out and hunt. Mm -hmm. And because the lioness is more agile and she's quick and she just has better hunting skills. And while she's out doing her hunting, the lion is back protecting the pride. Because if you know a little bit about prides, um, if he's weak, then another lion will come in and take over the pride. But that comes with consequences. You know, he'll kill the cubs and then dominate the lioness. So therefore, although she does her hunting, there's a there's a, a beautiful balance between the two. Mm -hmm. yeah. So so in the jungle, the lion stays at home? <laughs> <laughs> in the jungle, the mighty uh, jungle, yep. The lion yeah. stays at home? He stays there. He's oh, yep. What would you feel? How would you feel if your lion stayed at home? <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> oh, really? Tell us, oh, that, tell yeah. us a little bit about that. No, I, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but um, unfortunately for many years of my, you know, my mayor, my previous marriage, I like to call 1.0. That was a trial version. Um, yeah, I had to go out and work. I had to do the hunting. Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. So let know? me ask you a question. I mean, you know, 
you said 1.0 divorce yeah. sometimes you know women don't want to get out of the divorce i mean you oh, know they, oh. they they might be unhappy there might be i mean there's there's several women i mean you know i, I support uh you know causes for uh you know non-profit you know where yeah. women are women are vict- victims mm-hmm. uh, you know a lot of abuse mental yeah. abuse physical abuse sexual abuse yeah. um, i mean a lot of women just you know they still find it hard even though they're they've been abused they find it hard to break the barrier and i mean it can be a lot of stuff right uh i mean it can Absolutely. be a man don't want to do something i mean you know i mean i was taught you know i was taught a different way and uh, i mean you know um i don't want to bring religion into this thing but you know like i always tell people i'm like you know uh men don't want love men don't need love need men respect. just need they need respect that's right and uh but but man's duty is to make sure that he goes out and unlike the jungle yeah, exactly. he goes out and fetch the food that's right you know and he goes out and you know for me saying that because i don't eat bacon <laughs> <laughs> he used to bring the bacon home <laughs> you gotta bring the bacon home you know we can say bring the papa home <laughs> <laughs> bring the bread home huh that's it yeah but uh, uh but yeah i mean you know so that's i believe in that i mean i truly do, I do so so i mean you know when when a woman divorces it i mean it takes a lot i mean i commend a lot of women who are like i'm not happy i'm out i'm leaving and and i mean it's easier said than done way easier said than what done. Is, what is your experience about that oh my god i mean some women they just don't some give some women don't care yeah they don't care and that's okay i think there's so much i mean and, and i'm not and I'm, I'm i'm not trying to put you in that category i'm not trying to put a lot of women in the category i mean there's there's women out there that on to the next one real quick Quicker. you know real quick i mean <laughs> one day you know and and I'm, i'm i'm you know if anyone is listening please forgive me i sometimes tend to babble i'm not talking about you <laughs> but but uh, but yeah you know i mean uh, you know for a good woman especially when you have kids you have a house you have a family it's just so hard to you know um you know get those chains out and move on so tell me a little bit about that so um when you're from any type of ethnic culture like uh-huh. a hispanic home we are raised you know yes religion wise right that's the foundation of our culture whether or not it's it's taboo to say it i'm not afraid to say it in this day and age people are too afraid to speak about you know what their beliefs are and why they are who they are okay for me um that was my goal that was my ultimate dream right which was what bounded me to stay in a unhealthy marriage i mean ultimately it was the fact that i was going to do whatever it took to make that work why because in our culture you don't get divorced you get married once and not only that but i had suffered living in a single parent household but then when my father remarried to my most amazing stepmother I got to see what a healthy marriage looked like. So I was determined, I'm going to make it happen. Um, there was abuse, physical, mental, verbal. Um, and a lot of the reasons I didn't leave that was fear-based. I mean, it was fear. It was, what's the family going to think? Um, are my kids going to be able to survive in a single-parent household? Making money was never an issue because I'm a hustler. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to make it happen regardless. It was more of, you know, the fear of being a single mom, you know, having to face the world alone and then having to go to my father and my mother and say, you know, I'm getting a divorce. Like 
that word sometimes shakes people's core with like massive fear. Why? Because we don't want to spread out and break ties with what we once had this big dream. You know, when we get married as number one is women, right? It's a dream that we're getting married for. And that would the accepting of that failure um, can be detrimental to some. And so instead of making a choice, um, a lot of women and men choose to stay there, even though they're unhappy. Now, I will never advocate for a family unit to get a divorce just because you don't get along. That is never, I think, a reason to break up a family unit. Now, if there's no kids involved, you know, that's your choice to make. My beliefs are different in the Bible, but I had to hold my head up high because at the end of the day, what was I teaching my daughters? What was I teaching them? That it's okay to to take this because statistically girls are going to seek a husband that reminds them of their father. And, and the way the mother and the father relate at home is what, whether or not we believe it, they're going to look for that subconsciously. Subconsciously, they're going to seek that and they're going to think that's okay. I had had enough. I had just had my third daughter and I was not about to put them through the same dysfunction. And I had to look myself in the mirror and say, I am worth, I am worth it. I am worth it. I, and if this is not going to change after 13 years, enough and i think that it comes to a point where either you do it or you don't every day you wake up and you make a choice you make a choice to like you say make shit happen either get up and go to work you make a choice to accept things to happen to you or you make them happen and i think that now today's day and age it's easier to get a divorce right now i was taught you know i served in church for 13 years i facilitated family foundations, you know, counseling sessions and groups. And that was our banner. Divorce is not an option. And they still preach that. So for me to walk up into church, right. And, and be that woman that did all those things and say, I'm getting a divorce was hard. It was not easy. Because people are looking at you as a, as a hypocrite. Absolutely. And they're judging and they're judging not only that, but they're judging me by the God that I serve. Like, Oh, I thought you were a Christian. What happened to this, you know, Jesus and he's a prosperity Jesus. At the end of the day. How did you, how did you face that? How did I, with my head up high, no excuses. I didn't have to apologize to anybody because at the end of the day, I wasn't going home to them and you didn't die for me on a cross. They are not my God. They're not my savior. The only person I had to answer to was the God that I serve mm -hmm. and answer to myself and answer to my kids because ultimately every decision we make sets up a legacy, whether we believe it or not, every choice that us as parents make affects our children and our children's children, right? The choices that my mom and my did, my father made mm -hmm. affect my children. They mm -hmm. probably weren't thinking about that or my grandparents. My grandparents made choices to get a divorce. I'm like, that generational thing has carried on three generations. And that was another reason why I was like, I refuse to get, div to get divorced. Mm -hmm. But you know what, I did it and I cannot thank God more, more for giving me the courage to do it because abuse is not okay. It's absolutely not okay no matter how you sugarcoat it or cover it up. And in church, and I, I'm sorry, a lot of people are gonna hold me accountable to this, but I have been to women's Bible studies where they sit there and say that you just have to keep praying for that abusive man. That is not okay. That is bullshit, straight bullshit. It is not okay. And I think that 
It is a time. Pray, pray for what that he stops abusing. You? Yeah, pray for his heart to change. Mm, you know what? At some point, if that man is not changing, then you have to make. Let a me choice. ask you a question. I mean, you know, when when a man is abusive, do you think it? Do you think he got that from his upbringing? Because you know, I, you know, I see, I see, sometimes. I see kids, I see kids that, you know, I mean, I have a furniture store, I see yeah. kids around, and I see like sometimes, like you know, little kids. They, they, I mean, kids are going to be kids, right? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the kids did start acting bad and their mothers don't say nothing. When oh, they cry, their yeah. mom gives it to them. If they want a toy and they scream, their mom gives it to them. If they, I've seen kids beat their mom, slap their mom. No. I mean, you know, so, so I mean, you know, hmm. and, and I feel like, you know, if, if the kids are kids, they're two years old, they're three years old, yeah. they're just kids. Yeah. It's what you show them, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, uh, I saw it on, on Instagram the other day, like this girl had posted a picture of her kid. She's like, he don't like to put his clothes on. And someone commented on the bottom, well, he learns from his mom, put oh your gosh. clothes on and he'll put it <laughs> on. And I'm like, oh shoot. But, but, but you know, we learn from our parents, right? And, yes. and I mean, if our parents instill that behavior in us, that it's okay to hit them yes. or hit other kids. Yeah. Or to be a bully in high school, yeah. or I mean, in, in elementary school or high school, or beat kids in the in the in the in the mm -hmm. park, you know, and stuff like that. And if the parents keep condoning that behavior, you know, I feel like the kids grow up to be that person. Absolutely. Oh. So statistically, men who are a lot who have seen that at home and got away with it, where the culture permitted it, will repeat that act. And it doesn't have to see the men seeing their fathers, you know, beat their mom or be abusive to their mom. Just like I'm saying, little kids yeah. who are allowed from their parents. From to, their own parents who allow them. Or that outburst and going crazy. And, I mean, you, you've been in a, oh, in, a, yeah. in a grocery store and you've seen kids just screaming on top oh, of their yeah. lungs. And their mom not doing nothing. Nothing. I'm like, I'm like, let me whoop the crap out of your kid. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm gonna punch your kid. You better. I don't want. I don't want to punch him. I just want to. I just want to smack him. Yeah. I mean, you know. I'm like. Yeah. And I want to. I want to tell the parents, hey, if you just give it to yep. them, so they'll stop crying. You just. What are you teaching? What them? are you teaching them? That you and can I cry to get your way. I think that's a, that's a huge issue with culture today, and I have strong opinions about it. So some people uh, no, may not. Uh, want Kristen, to. I got I got <laughs> I got to tell you, I've seen Hispanics, Blacks, mm. Indians, uh, whites, everybody. I'm gonna tell you what. I'm not lying to you. The way I grew up, yeah. if I ever yelled, man, my mom back slap. I mean, I, my mom would be by. By, by rolling yeah. pins. My mom has broken <laughs> so many rolling pins on me. I mean, hangers. Yeah. I think I think when I was 13 or 14, my mom even whooped me with an extension cord. Oh, and, and I mean, you know, But you know what? I never, and, and parents are so worried about if I whoop my kid, my kid will hate me. No, I love my mom. Oh my gosh. You I know? think, yeah. So back to that, to that point, is I'm not a child psychologist by any means or yeah. an expert or a professional. But I can tell you this. One of the things that I did learn in, in these seminar groups and family foundations and all these things is two things. When you raise a kid with no discipline, they become rebellious. But when you mix discipline with respect and love, yeah. that breeds respect. Uh, exactly. And your kids grow up to respect you. I was the same way. My dad was not shy with his hand. He had a heavy hand. 
Now, some people will say that that's why, you know, you permitted, you know, a spouse to treat you that way. It can, it can be, I don't no, know. I don't think so. At the end of the day, I think that this culture is raising a bunch of sissies. Yeah. And if you do not know how to tell your kids no, and they get out of the real world, and they apply for a job, or they go out there, and they don't know the word no, what are you, what are you raising? Yeah. I mean, at the end my, of the my, day, it's you know, about that. Growing up, my mom whooped me probably almost every day. And, and I can probably remember my dad whooped me maybe less than a hand. I can't even count it on one hand. I mean, I think probably four or five times I got a whooping from my mm. dad. But I still remember the time I got a whooping from my dad. I mean, hell, I remember this. I'll share this. I was four years. I was fourteen. I think I was fourteen years old. And my dad was like, "When we eat dinner, you know, you need to be on the table." And I was, I was out there playing, and my dad kept calling me, and and I wouldn't come in. And when I came in, and finally he came in and screamed, and I went out inside the house, and he whooped me so bad, <laughs> I pissed all over oh, my pants. Sam. I was fourteen years old, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say that, but you know what? Did you learn your lesson? Let me tell you what. I was there on table every night, there but I never stopped loving my dad for that. I you mean, don't. you know, you know that that's the thing is that e there, there's studies that show that kids are who are raised in the most dysfunctional families still love their parents. Yeah, it's an it's an innate quality that God put in us. Period. Yeah. It's just we it's just that animal instinct in us that we will always animal. attract towards our our parents. Our parents. You, you know, right. it is what it is, and uh, uh, yeah, you totally. know, um, enough enough of there. You know. Right. I always talk about, you know, someone asked me the other day, hey, you know, what, what do you what do you think about self-doubt? And and I told him, I'm like, you know, it's just, I'll tell you what I said. Okay. But, you know, do you ever think about, do you ever battle with self-doubt? All the time. So what do you do about All it? All the time. You want to do something and you <sighs> doubt yourself. What do you do? So <laughs> it's not as easy as, boom, here's an answer. It depends what I'm doubting. And how I'm going to overcome that um, being in sales, being a mom, being all the things that, you know, that make the essence of crystal. Um, you know, I've been through a lot of obstacles in life. And so doubt is is something we all we all face every day. You wake up and you have decisions to uh -huh. make. Right. Do I want to go to the gym? Do I want to cook dinner? Do I want to just buy McDonald's? Do I want to do this? Do I want to step out on a limb and write this book? Do I want to be vulnerable to the entire world about very, very tough situations in my life. How do we doubt ourselves? Doubt will come and scream and destroy your mind if you let it. It's about the renewing of your mind and it's about having a strong will to not allow doubt to become a root or deep-seated root inside your core. To me, you either choose to let that doubt sink in and you feed it or you stop it right there and you replace that with something positive or think about something powerful. For me, um, when I doubt myself, I just, I psych myself. I'm like, I can do this. And you know what? That comes back to fear. Why am I doubting myself? Right. And so what if I do it? Finding that courage to say it's okay to fail. Right. Doubt isn't the end of the world. Doubt sometimes can be super healthy. Right. And doubt is actually a good thing because it makes you double check yourself. It makes you look back and say, all right, what do I need to do to overcome this doubt? Or maybe this is just my insides telling me, my inner core saying, tap the brakes, look at the situation. How do I fix it? Right. It, it's an opportunity. Doubt can be an opportunity. Doubt can be an opportunity. Yeah. So, you know, you said maybe I fail. Have you ever faced any failures in life that you'll be like, oh man, gosh. I wish I would have done that? <laughs> Oh, yeah. 
Oh my gosh, who are we kidding? I mean, no one's perfect. I'm far from perfect. I think I make massive mistakes a lot. Um, I've failed hard, but I've also gotten up hard. Um, I think one of the key things to me and to who I am is the Bible. It says seven times you'll fall, but seven times you'll get back up, right? So that gives you permission to say, you're going to fail, but you're also going to get back up. Um, An example of failing is um, losing my temper with my children. You know, sometimes I like to to be the, you know, the cheerleader of raising powerful women. Uh But at the same time, I fail on a daily basis. I lose my temper. Um, I'm a strong believer in what you call your kids or your family members is going to impart into them who they are. And sometimes I fail at that. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly, I failed in picking, you know, my first (laughs) partner. (laughs) Um, I mean, those choices, you know what? But not all the failures have been detrimental. None of them have killed me. And they've all taught me lessons and they've made me stronger and they've taught me that it's okay. It's okay to make mistakes, but you learn from them. So you mentioned a couple of times about empowering women and yep. stuff like that. So what do you, what, I know that you're involved in some yes. of the uh, movements over here mm-hmm. in town or, you know, some, um, mm-hmm. or say uh, some organizations. Yep. Tell us a little bit about what do you. So um, for me, in this day and age, there's, I mean, you can count like 12 different organizations online that have the name of Houston that want to like really empower women and they scream or they use that tagline to sell clothing or articles or whatever to draw attention to it. I love women empowerment. Mm-hmm. Um, but by no means does that mean that we bash men, right? Again, there's a healthy balance. Um, Women empowerment to me is is giving women the opportunity to find that lioness inside of them, to reach for the stars, uh-huh. um, to be able to, you know, um, learn and teach them, not just say, oh, we're going to get together and we're going to scream women empowerment. It's more than that. It's like, how do you empower yourself? Where do you get that empowerment from? What is your source of empowerment? Is it just like, hey... I want to use this banner and fly it high. Mm-hmm. No, it's let's come together and how do we help each other? How do we lift each other up? Which is difficult because women are known for being catty, not like dudes. Dudes will get in a fight, you know, just like on a football field and then yeah. they make up tomorrow and then boom, they're drinking beers the next day. Women are more emotional. Women are more territorial. Um, and I think that we really need to be pioneers to break down that barrier mm-hmm. and say it's okay to lift each other up. There's power in that. There's power in lifting your fellow sister up and saying, how can I help you? Mm-hmm. What are some of the goals that you want to reach? How can we come around you and help you meet those? Mm-hmm. But also creating a safe place for women to come and be like, oh my God, I almost wanted to choke my husband today. And being able to bring that to the surface and talk to somebody who's not going to judge you mm-hmm. and be like, oh, so-and-so's having marital problems. Everybody has problems. But women are acting. so judgmental too. Women tend to be very judgmental, but that's from a source of insecurity. Mm-hmm. It all comes from that source of, am, am I going to lose something? Um, or your fear. It's all fear-based. Mm-hmm. And so if we can come together and kind of like strip that back and help people or women for the most part, it's okay. It's totally okay. But um, to answer your question, I, um, I recently joined forces with an amazing organization. There's multiple that I'm you know, very fond of, um, but Houston Businesswoman. Um, I absolutely love the message, the foundation. Not only that, but the members. Everybody that's come together, everybody supports each other. 
Um, I have seen other types of organizations that there's a little bit of cattiness, but this one even more so has opened the doors for other people who are doing the same thing to come together and partner. Got you. Now, now you also have this becoming a lioness meeting thing. What is that? So it's a faith-based women's meeting. Uh Um, It's a non-traditional Bible study. It is Uh faith-based. It is where we get to the root of a lot of issues. Um, And it's a safe place where women can come together, but also... A lot of times in business, right, when we want to be successful, we seek these things and we've got this like goal or this motivation, um, but we've got something inside that isn't quite right. And so sometimes in order to hit that that mark of success and be, you know, how, how would I say like free, right, to find that freedom to really break down all these inside internal soul barriers so that you can reach that, mm-hmm. when you couple that with your inner strength, then your business is going to succeed. A lot of the times, because something painful, right, has either caused you to break out and want to become an entrepreneur or work in corporate America. Both are okay, right? Mm -hmm. Like you said, right, not everybody's built to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. Sometimes being an employee is good. Um, But when you couple a healthy soul, you're going to succeed. But when you have a lot of crud and un dealt with situations or you really have identity issues, then you're going to end up working super hard for this business, but never really uncovering who you really are. And people buy from people. Mm -hmm. Right. And so now this day and age, when we have these businesses, you know, you're all over TV. People are buying from. Right. Yeah. From Super Sam. Yeah. <laughs> but so uh, I'm I'm glad you listened to my uh, my Instagram and my my, my podcast and so everything. Pe- people don't people don't have to be you don't have to be an entrepreneur. You can work for somebody to be Absolutely. successful. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. So becoming a lioness meet you know the meeting is more faith based. So but if somebody is you know don't believe in you know the same faith. It's a great question. I mean, can they join? Everybody can join. Uh-huh. So, like I said, it is faith based. What that means is that we might. I mean, talk are y'all reading Bible together over there, or what uh, are you doing? Scripture. Yeah. yeah. There's there's an organized you know um, layout for how we're gonna how we're gonna tackle that. Um, but for instance, at one of my meetings, I had a Catholic female there, a woman who doesn't go to church, another woman who was raised Pentecostal, but you know really doesn't you know do that. To me, it's not about what religion you are. It's not about that. It's about finding our identity in the creator of the universe. Got you. Um, yeah. The book is coming out in on Mother's Day, is it? So initially, um, with my publishing company, we were talking about coming out um, in April. That was a deadline. But mm-hmm. then we strategically came together and they want to drop it Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Yeah. So how how many chapters in the book is it a pretty extensive book is it a short book or are we gonna have to find out (laughs) that introduction so it's an introduction it's a little bit it's a taste of what becoming a lioness is um i'll tell you right now there's a second book coming so Um, there'll be a series there will there will be a series so Um, what is what is the ultimate goal for crystal I mean, you know, you're writing a book, but what do you, what do you want to do? I mean, is it, is it, do you want to do more women empowering stuff? Do you, I mean, what is it? So tell us a little bit about it. I, um, I want to break barriers. First of all, writing a book is a, is a big, you know, is a milestone. So tell us, what do you, what do you want? So, um, I think one of my ultimate goals was that was one of the boxes, um, that I needed to check was writing that book. I'd been talking about it for years and my husband a while back was like, you keep talking about it. You need to just do it. Right. And that was part of overcoming the fear and just saying, you know what, I'm just going to do it. You know what, whether it sells or it doesn't, at least I did it. Right. That's what matters. If it helps one person, I did it. 
Um, I think ultimately um, the goal is to help as many people as possible. It doesn't only need to be women. Men can also learn from that too because you can learn how not to screw up a marriage, (laughs) learn from our mistakes um, and really fight for your family. Um, For me, it's about leaving a legacy and changing the course of the destiny for my generations. Uh That's what it's about. It's not just about me. It's about my kids, their kids, and their kids' kids. Mm. Because whether we like to accept it or not, our grandkids are going to look back and be like, wow, my grandmother did this and my grandfather did that. And they will attach their source of identity identity to things that their ancestors did. Just like we do. Like this whole ancestry thing. You see these commercials and people are like, yeah. oh, my grateful grandfather was a pilot at 17. Oh, <laughs> you know, I've got that spark in me. Yeah, but he probably also. Ancestry.com. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, there's a lot of people spending money on that. I did it. So before we end this uh, interview, and I appreciate you coming, we always talk about, you know, and you've heard, I'm I'm sure you've listened to, I don't know if you've listened to a podcast before, but we talk about, we talk about, you know, if everything was to end today and there was nothing left, but you want to leave a message for your future generation, for the world out there, uh, three things that you would, you know, it can be from your experience. It can be something, how to live life. It can be by anything. What would you leave for your for your kids, your future generation, you know, so they can say, oh, well, great, great grandma said that. <laughs> and also for the world. For the world. Um, Three things. I think the, the biggest one is you have a choice. You have a you choice. You have a choice. God created every human being in this earth with free will. Whether or not we choose to accept it, we have choices. And it's what we choose to do with those choices. Um, secondly is don't blame others for your screw ups, take ownership, course, correct, um, and make those changes. Stop making excuses. Just make it happen. Okay. Um, that's a whole chapter. I mean, we can talk about that forever. Um, and I think a lot of the message that I've learned over life is that pride sucks. When you have pride, it destroys. Pride can can kill families. Pride can destroy identities. And um, unfortunately, a lot of the times, admitting that we're prideful can set us back years and years and years. And so learning to be humble, learning to really, really be humble and never take anything for granted, no matter how hard you want to say you built something uh-huh. um, or these hands built this, those words can always be rooted in some type of pride. And I feel like um, whenever we're humble and we can give credit where credit is due, for me, it's always God. It always is because whether or not we choose to acknowledge him, something other than ourselves is in control. Whatever you believe, that can be taken away in an instant. So number one, you have a choice. Number two, don't blame others for your downfalls. Take ownership. And number three, pride sucks. Pride sucks. Yeah, and learn, <laughs> learn to be humble. So, learn to be humble. So, you know, ego is a big barrier. I mean, it can it can destroy it a is. lot of stuff. I mean, you know, I always, you know, uh, I'm a big advocate of humility and I always think, you know, you always say you always meet the same person twice. So leave a good impression the first time so that when they see you the second time, they'll yeah. say something good about you rather than bad. You never know if you'll need them the second time. If you'll, you know, you might, you might meet them today and then tomorrow they might be somebody who, 
you know you need you, well, you might meet this person and you're at the passport office yeah. and you have lost your passport and you're ready to go yeah. on a trip and that person is that uh, clerk sitting yeah, behind the desk you. and they remembers, remembers you, you. and yeah. uh what's well, like in corporate america you know a lot of the times people take for granted their boss or they talk bad about their boss yeah. and they mimic and they spread things around that's bad that's a bad reputation to do that one two you never know who's going to work for you or who you're going to work for you're going to work for no, i've seen it countless times how people miraculously burn you burn bridges one and then the person that you talked down to or humiliated end up being your boss or working for someone that you now need to sign that contract exactly and and, and that happens you know it, it always kind of it, it's, it's a vicious cycle it kind of goes around now before we before we end this uh interview i, I had a couple of things i want to ask you sure. and which I should have asked before. So tell me what, so Crystal, what do you like to do as a person? Ah, what do I like to do? Um, I love, 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 love to spend time with my husband and my family. Uh -huh. um, I'm crazy, crazy in love with being active with him. Uh -huh. um, we love to fish. That's uh -huh. one of the biggest things that people who are close and near, near and dear to us know that anytime we don't have any kids or even when we have the kids and we get a spare moment off of work we jump on that boat and we head out to galveston we love to fish okay fishing's one of my favorite bay fishing bay fishing yeah um we don't do freshwater fishing we okay. haven't really explored that together yet um, a lot of bay yeah. fishing or or maybe like deep deep water uh, deep oh, sea fishing deep sea fishing's my favorite yeah, it's easy that's why huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely easier because you've got the guys that are out there helping you um, but I love that fight, man. I yeah, love you love that. that you love the fight. I well, especially it. in Gaveston. I mean, especially yes. when it's kingfish season or something oh, like. Oh, gosh. that kingfish is good. Or red snapper, or yeah. Red, yeah, red snapper too. I mean, red snapper don't give that much fight, but it's. They don't. It's, They're yeah, kind of lazy and heavy. But for me, I'm a little woman, yeah. so anything's a fight for me. So, so are are you a big fish eater? You're a big steak eater? Um, you know what? For the most part, I'm Mexican, right? So I grew up. And carne asada and tacos and all that. Uh -huh. I think lately with um, exploring plant-based options are definitely, you know, beneficial. 100% beneficial, man. I can't, man. Get, I can't get into that plant-based <laughs> thing. Every time I try, like three, four days later, I'm like, I want some meat. Let me I want tell some you. Meat. I'll tell you what. So I, I embarked on a 21-day fast. It's called the Daniel Fast. It's a Christian-based fast from the Old Testament. It's yeah. stupid, crazy hard. Everyone's like, who does that? So it was 21 days of strict vegan eating uh -huh. and not just vegan. It was like no yeast, no processed food, no sugar, no refined sugar. It was so hard. I mean, my kids, everyone's like, you're crazy. But I'll tell you what, those 21 days I was doing CrossFit. I did not take one day off of CrossFit other than if I was sick or I was out or I couldn't make it. You did seven day? 21 day fast. So, but 21 day fast and 21 straight days of CrossFit? 20, no, no, not 21 days straight of CrossFit. But I go three to four times a week and I made almost every single one of those. Uh -huh. And the energy level that I had and the strength that I had was crazy. Absolutely really? crazy. So, you I'm, know a that, to I'm, that. I'm a big sucker of uh, dessert and ice uh. cream and, <laughs> and, you know, sweets and, and stuff like that. I mean, I'm. That's one of my vices. I mean, I hate it, but, but that is. I mean, besides that, I mean, I love food. Uh, Don't we all? Yeah, I just it's like I my love, love language. I love, <laughs> I, love, I love I love crawfish. Uh, I love oh, steaks. And crawfish. I love, Don't start. And I mean, you know, I, oh my god, I love tres leches. I love I love. Uy, unos tres leches. And I, want, I you know what I love? Flan. Every time I eat <laughs> ice cream, every time I eat crawfish, I crave ice cream. 
Of course, because it's spicy, and so I, you want to like it's like the it mix, yeah, the dairy with the. Crawfish. But you know, Crystal, thank you so much You're for coming. So thank you for being on Make Shit Happen, and I appreciate you taking your time thank from your busy you. schedule. I know you're busy. Uh, professional mob book writer women empowerment lady and <laughs> thank you guys you heard thank this thank you thank you guys you heard this on uh by crystal sarmiento her book is coming out uh becoming a lioness please make sure you look forward to that book on mother's day and you know i think this was a great episode again crystal thank you, thank you so much thank you